We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Remember that big contract we gave you at the end of last season? Well, it's time to pay it back. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the Black Man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well, or as well as you can be doing in light of the news uh, of Gabriel Jesus' injury. And we will get into just how much of that news is actually accurate and, and what we actually know. Um, I will let you know that the Arsenal finances have come out and the typically brilliant Swiss Ramble, who now has a sub stack that you can join, and I believe it's completely free, at least as of right now, um, has broken it down. I've had a chance to have a little read of it, and I think we will definitely be discussing it. I don't know that we'll be discussing it today, but the long and the short of it is Arsenal lost money. Arsenal lost a little bit less money because fans are back in the stands. Arsenal lost a little bit more money because we weren't in Europe. And basically, if we want to get back to making a lot of money, the Champions League will help. And since we all think that's going to happen, uh, it will be interesting to look at where we are uh, in that from that standpoint a year on from now. But that's something we can maybe touch on in a special pod or a Patreon pod or something like that over on Patreon. We've got some scouting videos. We've got some more coming this week. So you're definitely going to want to look out for that. We're going to be scouting some of our loanees so you can get a sense of what they've been up to. And we may need to know what they've been up to because we have a giant hole in the squad to fill, and that is probably going to be the, the bulk of the conversation today, unfortunately. I will say, uh, as I did on my Patreon pod about this, the good news about this injury is that the reason we all feel so miserable is we finally have something to care about again. And isn't, isn't that nice? It feels like the halcyon days of 2007 Eduardo's injury or the 2010s when we'd lose Van Persie or Sesk at the critical time and the season would collapse. It just, it's nostalgia all over. And here to discuss that warm, nostalgic feeling with me is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at, get this, Stillmanator. Hello, Tim. Well done. Hello there. <laughs> and Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, indeed. Um, so let's do this. Firstly, uh, given that it's early in the morning, I have not really had the chance to to run the rule over Twitter yet. The last rumors going around were three months. Tim, I'll start with you just for a second, because I want to get your sense of the veracity of the reporting that comes out of the South American press, particularly Brazilian press and the Brazilian camp in, in uh, 
in Qatar because I I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. mean it with any ill will intended. I'm just curious because there are reports coming out from sources that I don't know the credibility of that had started with three to four weeks and within 12 hours it had ballooned to three months. Now, my my personal take on that is you really need the swelling to come down and you need a scan to know this for sure. And that kind of time frame is only going to change to that degree if surgery is involved, which is only going to be determined from those kinds of um, examinations. So I'm curious with respect to the three-month prognosis that obviously is quite scary – where would you put that on the believability scale in terms of whether we should put much stock in it or a little stock in it, no stock in it at all? So unfortunately, I'd, I'd put stock in it. So the, the level Great, of reporting- Great, thanks. Good to talk to you, Tim. <laughs> um, let's move. <laughs> Keep the, going. The, the level of reporting is good. They get all the starting lineups bob on. Um, and the organizations like Sports TV, for example, that, that's like the equivalent of Sky Sports- um, and whatever you think of Sky Sports coverage in the UK, they, they don't run stories like that um, that turn out to be lies, put it that way. What, what's happened now is essentially the reporting initially was that Jesus was going to stay with the Brazilian national team. And that was partly um, and, and obviously that still needed to be a conversation with Arsenal anyway. But the reporting was that the player wanted to stay. The, the team and the coaching staff wanted him to stay because he's a really good guy to have around and he's very popular. Um, and I think probably for him, for his morale, probably at the point where he thought he might be three or four weeks, he thought, no, no, I, I want to stay here, particularly if we win it, I want to be here kind of thing. Um, he, he's flown home, um, I, I think, today, maybe like last night, today. Basically, he's coming back to London um, and that's going to be Arsenal kind of specialists looking at it. But my best guess would be that the scan looks like three months and Arsenal are just going to have a a second check on that. But I mean, can you ever remember like a second scan or a secondary kind of look at an injury that found something drastically different? I don't think so. I think the fact that he's come back to London um, says a lot and says that, that things have developed and moved on. And like you say swelling subsided looks like they found something else and so i'd just say if we see him again before march at all consider that a very good result because um it feels very unlikely yeah it's just uh speaking as a doctor which i am not um but i'll play one on this podcast i don't know that there's a lot of knee injuries that require surgery where you're back in a time frame shorter than that frankly. I know that they can do things called scopes, you know, where they like clean out your knee, but that's not an injury so much as a maintenance, right? They remove fluid, things like that. Those can be pretty quick. Um, Clive, let me ask you about this because it has been rubbished pretty aggressively by Chite, but just it seemed like something was wrong with Jesus in that game. And he continued to run around out there manfully trying to make it work. He obviously wanted to impress for Brazil. He obviously wanted to play for Brazil. There was some suggestion that he's been carrying the knee injury the whole time he's been with the Brazil camp. That's the part that Chite really aggressively um, reacted to. What's your sense of how this has been handled by Brazil and by the player in terms of taking care of himself? And it's a leading question, I'll confess, because on the surface, only knowing what we know, it sure doesn't look like Jesus has at least taken the appropriate caution but we just don't know i mean do you have any frustration about what seems like a player who maybe took risks with with his fitness no i, I tend to, uh, well players do that if they well they want to play in world cups but in this case I'm, I'm not really worried the only people that really know are the player 
right, and how he feels. Um, remember last year, Kieran Tilly fell out of the shower, didn't tell anybody something, and just kept playing until uh, everything went wrong. You know, so things things happen. My my view on it is, I'm not sure if he's had a, a full scan with the camp in Brazil. Not sure, right? But um, if it's a if it's a ligament tweak, that's where the four weeks come from. That's generally what tends to happen for a ligament tweak. If they go in into that knee, then you could, it depends what it is. If it's what they call an arthroscopy, that could be anything. That could be a trim of the cartilage. It could be something fluid-related, as you alluded to earlier. And that could still keep them around four to six weeks' time frame. If it's something more significant than that, around your meniscus or something like that, then that's where the three months tend to come from. It depends on the level of intrusion and depends on what they find in there. And that tells you your time frame. You know, so so really he flew back yesterday. They picked him on the plane with his little with his little child, little baby girl. So he's all the way back to London and he's due for a scan Monday afternoon, this PM in London under Arsenal's care, right? So Tim's probably got the spider sense on this when you don't if it's a three weeker a tweak, you can tend to trust other people to deal with that. If it's a little bit more or potentially a bit more then you want to get it back under your control, right? Very, very quickly. If an operation is required, you do it now because you he's not going to play in December anyway. And so you get you get that time back very, very quickly part of the rehab. So so yeah, it's just a matter of wait and see, really. And the timeline will no doubt tell us tell us all how panicked we should feel and what should we do next. And what and what do we need to do next? And that's where the debate will come, right? How we all feel about the whole in the squad. But what I will say, and I heard your patron podcast earlier, I thought you did it really, really well. Um no, thanks. This is one of the transformational players, mate. And let's not pretend he isn't. All right. So um he's the one that makes everyone feel different about us this season. And um if he's not there, I think it's gonna have a bigger effect than people realise. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can overstate the impact. And I, I will get into that in a little bit. I, I want to work our way towards that. The thing I will say is we made signing a striker the priority of the summer, and we made this pl- player the priority because we saw very clearly that the absence of this player was an impediment to where we wanted to go. And by getting that player, we proved ourselves correct that having it totally transformed, to use the word that Clive previously used and that I have previously used, and that is used quite a bit and probably overused, if we're being honest, um, transformed who we were and our results on the pitch. We now find ourselves not even back where we were last season because we don't have Lacazette. Now, you could say not having Lacazette's no big loss, but the fact is we ended last season essentially relying on Eddie and Kedia, and we will be presumably doing that in the near term, almost certainly, and maybe in the longer term. Let's set aside the question of the time frame for when Jesus could return. I think three months probably sounds right. If you want to catastrophize, I mean, knee injuries can be a year. They could go in and see that the meniscus needs the other kind of thing that Martinelli had or the worst thing. I mean, there are meniscus injuries that are career-changing. Um, there's ACLs, there's MCLs. Now, to be fair, if you have those kind of injuries, you're not running around on the pitch, almost certainly. So let's not catastrophize about stuff we don't know. We'll leave it at the three months for now, and we will use the rest of this podcast as we discuss the implications of the injury 
um, to discuss what we would likely do in the event that it becomes three months. Let's let's agree on that. We'll stipulate to that so that the conversation has some structure to go to. And Paul, the near term is what we do prior to January 1. Now, we may do the same thing post-January 1, but let's set that aside for a minute. A couple of games that we have to get through without Jesus. And in fairness, if Brazil win the World Cup and had Jesus been with that camp, that may have been the case anyway. I mean, who knows when he would have come back and when we would have trusted him. So what do you presume will be the short-term solution without him? Is it as simple as, Eddie's our man. We paid him to be the backup. We're going to need our backup, and our backup goes and plays. Um, well, first, there's a much bigger question, which is the use of the word transformational. Now, I'm not a petty man, mm-hmm. but I did a search on Twitter while we were talking to see who used the word transformation or transformational at Arsenal with Gabriel Jesus, and the search was clear. It was me. It mm, was okay. February, or sorry, it was July 17th, and Arsblog uses it on July 31st. So I've got a clear, what is that, 16-day lead. Do you know how and long it takes me to edit your parts out of the podcast, Paul? You could save us time by just moving on to the question. Okay, I may have to repeat <laughs> this at, at various points during the podcast to get my credit. <laughs> slip through my editing. Yeah, no, it was def- definitely you. You, you had it no was. questions whatsoever. Okay, I was, but now I was that, going now with the you... most transformational player at Arsenal in the last decade thing to try and gazump Tim, who'd come in big on Gabriel Jesus, trying to wrestle it back from him. So I had gone big. That's why I did it. Um, do you need to know the date we published the Jesus scouting video? Because I think it was in April. But an- anyhow, <laughs> this is the, this is the gold right here. This is what people tuned in for. They're they're getting the information and insight Important. that they needed. Um, are, are you done? Are we moving on? Are we gonna Are we gonna address the question of Eddie and Kenny? We are going to so. address the question. Okay. <laughs> you see, the addressing the question is really short. We're going to play Eddie and Katty as the striker. No ifs, ands, and or buts. In certainly in the short to medium term. Um, like getting a striker in January, betting them in, you know, that's like that all takes time. There'll be like those things they call negotiations. Other teams will want a lot of money. So we got to get through end of December, a few games in a hurry with a guy who knows how we play. And we got to get ourselves through January in large part. And I guess we'll have a whole discussion about what we should do. Um, but it's, it, like, I think the other complication is we'll be without Jesus, obviously, but we could be without Martinelli for the first few games as well. And that's where the the stuff really hits the fla- fan because that might be the bigger question. Now you're making, like, if you think of how Martinelli and Jesus play together, they're the guys who bring the heat, who interweave their pressing, their play more than any other. You know, that's the side Jesus tends to swing towards rather than Sanka's side. So if we're missing Martinelli, if they go all the way to the final and we're missing Martinelli for the first two, three games, like I th- I think in some ways that comp- it certainly compounds it, but it may be the bigger question because the smaller question is who do we play instead of Jesus? Well, it's Eddie and Caddy. It'd be weird if we did anything different. Um mm. And now you've got a very interesting question of who would you play on the left? And, you know, it, it, those answers aren't easy. Uh, Smith Rowe is coming back, but he's coming back. Can he play games at the level of intensity for 90 minutes, uh, one every few days over the Christmas break? I'd say no. So 
who's your left winger? Um, so yeah, there's a couple of questions, but but uh, do, I mean, does that address the who do we play? Yeah. It's Eddie. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I was just because I I think I think that's probably right. What's so strange though is there have been times where you would have assumed Eddie would play, and Arteta has gone out of his way not to use him, and then. He finally got his run at the end of last season, and he did quite well. Look, I think if you look at just the fixtures, home to West Ham, away to Brighton, and then you're into January. The next game is January 3rd. Even if we sign someone, they're not playing January. They're not starting a a match for Arsenal January 3rd. It's home to Newcastle. You have an FA Cup tie that, I mean, that's going to be heavy rotation. It's Oxford United away. And then we're at Spurs. We're home to United. That's January 15, January 22nd. If there's any intention to sign someone, and we will get to that, and if there's any intention for them to be, I, I don't want to say, like, well, someone who's going to play center forward, let's just say that, in, in that period, that would be the period you'd target. The Newcastle game without Jesus looks pretty scary because they've been quite good. The thing that's so hard to project is who knows how anybody's going to look after the World Cup. So there's a lot of speculation here. Let's do something a little bit interesting. I, I do want to get into whether it's Eddie and whether we sign and how what Eddie does and what this does to our season, some of the alternatives. Could it be Martinelli? Could we recall Balogun? Let's set all that aside for a second, Tim. Let's talk about the on-pitch implications of not having Gabriel Jesus just in terms of our football. What do you regard? Because it's not like he's been banging in the goals. Let's be honest. Yep. And there are some people that have been frustrated by that. I am not among them. I think it misunderstands his impact. That doesn't mean it's not true. Strikers are supposed to score goals. I mean, Erling Holland may have disrupted some things that City does. City do, does. Yeah. But he scores a heck of a lot of goals, and that that is more than fine for them. So what do you regard as the impact for Arsenal on the pitch of, let's just say it's Eddie Nketiah, of moving from Jesus to Nketiah? How do you see that changing the way we we play in terms of just the, the qualities we maybe gain, but the qualities we lose. Yeah, I, I think you make a really interesting point there about goals. That was something I I, I had in mind because um, uh, that's the the level of insight you get on this podcast. Striker does goals. <laughs> Mm. Uh, <laughs> that and but, who said words first between those two <laughs> things we've covered all the bases that, a, that an Arsenal pod be, should cover because like it's so if you want to look at this on a, on a slightly positive spin there are some things in our favour first of all Eddie Nketiah is not at the World Cup and hasn't been at the World Cup so it's not like our backup striker we're looking at him like I don't know playing for France or someone like that at the moment or, or Japan or someone going God, I hope he doesn't get injured um, or anything like that. So, like, Eddie's got a run-up here. He knows now. He knows right now, while the squad are in Dubai, he knows he's going to be the man. Um, and, and I think that's most likely, like you say, for at least a month, probably six weeks, you know, even if we buy. And, like, what kind of striker are we actually going to buy if we buy one anyway? It's unlikely to, that, to be, yeah. like, Jesus level. It's probably going to be Inketia level. Um, and we probably, at the very least, like I'd say that the very, very least that we'll have to do is if it gets to the end of January and we can't get someone, Balogun might have to come back, um, for example, because it's a depth issue. Um, you know, to only have one striker is is just too dangerous. Um, so th- there does have to be a level of reinforcement there. Maybe I, I really, really think we were going to look at bringing in a, a wide player. Um, I actually, I think that's been relatively, relatively obvious. Maybe it changes some of our targets. Maybe, 
maybe it makes us go a bit bigger. Maybe we, you know, we we push the Gakpo button or something. Um, if such a if such a button exists, and we go, actually, this guy can play striker, or at the very least, he can score some goals. Um, because you're right, like we lose in terms of overall play. Jesus is so involved; the amount of touches he has. Obviously, Eddie Nketiah is not going to do that. But he, to your point, he might score some actual goals. So we yeah. might, we might, we'll lose a lot in terms of our overall play. The other, the other thing that's coming back into the equation as well is we get Smith Rowe back, so we get another forward back. Um, who can score some goals. So really, like the relationships are going to change. The overall, the style of Nketiah and Jesus is not the same, but we get some things back. We get some goals back in the team, I think, potentially. And it's going to take some rewiring. It's going to take some rebuilding. Um, but the listen, the, the only evidence we have of Jesus having a run in the team is pretty good. It's a small sample size, but it's good. He scored some goals at the end of last season, so I, I'm I'm kind of I've always been all right with the idea of Enketia as our our backup player, and I know people haven't been impressed with him this season. I think that's fair enough, but I also kind of think it isn't fair enough because he's been playing with the B team, whereas now he's going to come in the team and he's going to have Saka and Martinelli either side of him and Erdegaard behind him, for example. So, like we'll see a better Enketia, I'm sure of that. It's it's just going to be different. Uh, honestly, look, I tweeted this at the time the news broke. Honestly, I think in terms of the title, yeah, I, th- I think that, that finishes it, unfortunately. Like, we, we needed a pretty perfect run of injuries, and it's it's so frustrating. We just can't have that for just one season. We just can't have that, like, good injury season. Um, and we couldn't even make it halfway through the season. We're on game number 15. It's immensely frustrating, and it makes me, like, it makes me like scream at the sky, even though I'm an atheist, and think like Man City <laughs> don't need this luck either. Like they're going to get. There's only one team that can remotely challenge them. They've got all the money in the world, and yet somehow, why God, why you t- you took Jesus again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and like the the richest club in the world, or one of them has the best player or second yeah. best or best player sat at home wrapped in cotton wool. I do think we yeah. have to point a couple of fingers at Mikel Arteta here though, because and he's I thought not you were coming to say God. <laughs> well, certainly God, but also Arteta. He's not coming for the kind of criticism I think he deserves. And I'm sort of surprised because Mikel Arteta has chosen to, to lead Arsenal to their best start in history in a season when there's a winter world cup. I just think that's bad planning. He probably should have done it next season. Doing it this season with the Winter World Cup, like if he was smart, Mikel just got us to fourth this season. Got us to the title next season. He he he'll probably be thinking that he got the strategy wrong there. Um, I did tweet something similar to that, and you will be shocked to know that some people did not understand that was a joke. Um, but it is just it is to, yeah. just to finish my point again. If you want to look at it on the bright side, we did have Lacazette up front for most of last season, and I'm I'm not going to be kind. I thought he was a disaster, um, but we were still quite good. You know, not mm. as good as we have been, but we nearly got fourth basically playing without yes. a striker. So, you know, like I say, for the title, sorry, <laughs> it's, that, well, it's that's vanished the in the wind, but top four still very much on the table. 
Okay, so I, w- I, want, I want Clive to come in on this and, and, and we'll get to a good chunk on, on what it does to our season. But I want to make a point to the people that are like, Eddie's good, he was good last season. You know, why is everybody assuming this means our title challenge is over? I just want you to realize something, right? When Eddie and Kedia came into the squad last season, we were a team trying to be a 70-point team to get into the Champions League in fourth. And Eddie did a great job trying to keep us in that hunt. We are now a mid-90s point pace team, and we will need to maintain a mid-90s point pace if we want to win a title. Is Eddie and Kedia good enough to lead the line for a mid-90s point pace team? And with the best will in the world, my opinion is no. Again, that is not, you know, people think if you're saying someone's not good enough to do a thing, you're saying they're rubbish. Would Eddie and Kedia start up front for Manchester City if Erling Holland was injured? He would not. Would Eddie and Kenny have started up front for Liverpool in one of their last few title-chasing seasons? He would not. Is that a criticism of him? No. Yeah. Eddie like, and Kenny, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Tim. If Liverpool had to play with Divock Origi for four months in any of those seasons instead of Salah or Firmino, like, you'd say the they same. They don't challenge City. Yeah. They, exactly. This is a monumental task we were trying to achieve. The team deserves immense credit for being where we are. Nobody else is challenging City. Nobody but us. And we should say City's challenging us because we are top of the table. But Clive, the the reality now is we have to think about what this season can be. And to get to the title, which I, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we're never going to get the title. It's dim. Hey, look, the betting odds had us, what, 25, 28%, 538 has us 35%. I think Scott's model, 29%. Those aren't minuscule odds. We were in it. We were in it. Whether you think we were going to do it or not, we were in it. But you need luck to win a title. You do. Uh, you know, unless you're City, you need luck. This is the kind of luck that can scupper a season. And, and to be fair, there is some nostalgia here. This does bring me back to the 2010s. I joked, but I don't joke. How many great seasons did we have that we were excited about that got wrecked by injury? The reason I'm so upset, the reason I think so many of us are upset, is that we finally have something we loved, that we were really excited about. So the the, the lows are proportional to the exciting highs that we've been delivered. Um, Clive... How realistic is it to think that we can maintain the kind of pace we've been on? And to be fair, if Jesus didn't get injured, we may not have maintained it either. But but what should the expectation be? What should the goal setting be? What does this do to the expectations of the season in terms of what we realistically can achieve absent what I think is our best and most influential player? Yeah, so I'm not quite in the same place as you guys on this. I think... I think this is a. I okay. think this is a. This is a significant moment to tell us about our ambitions. And you spoke about the, the Francia results. So first and foremost, we need to be in the Champions League. Secondly, we have a ongoing project with a number of players in that project who are developing into world superstars. Right, you heard me say it before. We got three twenty-one-year-olds need to slow down to a slow down to a contract renewals. We need to maintain their sporting ambitions. We've got to be in the top four. This time last year, we were cleaning house. I was one of those people that said, I'm comfortable doing what we're doing, but I won't be comfortable doing it this time because the club needs to go up a level. To go up a level, we, we needed somebody to come in anyway to maintain the fear factor we were developing. What we've done here with this injury, it's not our fault, but wherever, wherever the timeline is, that fear factor has disappeared straight out the door. Because the transformational centre forward that changed how we felt about the team, how the people reacted to us, that enabled our two wide men, who are also at a World Cup making their name, no guarantees what type of form and emotional state they're going to come back into. So of our front three, we all name and love, 
all three of them potentially could have either emotional or physical issues come the 1st of January. So people sitting there talking about Balogun and Eddie, they need to wake up to where we actually are. We needed one anyway. And for me, I'll be thinking as a secondary player, I'll be thinking a lone player to come in. So you don't affect the, the project per se. Somebody you loan for six months to support those players. Because those players now are going to have the most critical moment of their lives. If England win on Saturday, our boy who's in the team of the tournament at the moment, he's going to go to a place emotionally in front of the whole country that's going to be huge, right? Going to be absolutely huge. He can't bowl back into to Brighton and, and sorry, you know, those games. He's gone for December. Yeah, we, he's gone, right? So, so we need to, we really do need to wake up and think about what we're trying to be and how we're going to do it. And I think we have a significant responsibility, the club does, to make sure that we supplement the squad appropriately. Um, and, and by the way, if Eddie got injured, the load on Jesus would be too much. Do you see what I mean? We have two forwards and any one of them go out for a significant amount of time. I'll be saying the same thing, but even more so with Jesus being injured. So we do need to add, which we're already going to do in the wide position, in my opinion, and I would go another one as well. And the reason why, firepower is everything. Firepower in the critical month and certainty of technique around the box is everything. It really is. And we were just developing it. And by the way, there are games before Christmas and there are games after Christmas. And we saw this last year. We saw it when it got to April and May, how the game changed and how we couldn't quite execute. That certainty of technique and delivery in the box is key. Where this club has really improved is defending our own box. That's massively improved. And our defensive numbers are excellent. And I see us leaning into that even more so in our defensive structure to allow our forwards time to either emotionally or physically recover to the level that we saw pre, pre-World pre Cup. I really feel strongly that we need to supplement the squad. This isn't a critique of any players that we have. We, I just don't feel they're at the level. The fifth, we're talking Nelson and we're talking Eddie. I love them both. Seen them for years. They are not taking us to the promised land without Jesus being in that group to knit them. He's one of our captains. He's one of our leaders of the team. If anyone else lost a major play like that, they'll be looking to replace them really, really quickly. And, and I hope we do something to replace that level of quality and that level of influence on our team. That That's really, really well said. And I'm just going to fill in the blanks of what you're saying, Clive, because I can read between the lines because we know each other so well now. You're saying go get Cristiano Ronaldo. And I got to disagree. I got to disagree personally, but if that's your opinion. (laughs) No, No, I'll stay with you for a second, though, Clive. I mean, I, I do think you make a really important point that I think people are going to lose because we love our players and we want to believe in them, and we all do that. There are people saying, let's recall Balogun. You're asking a kid who's played one Premier League game for us to come back from France into a very complex and sophisticated positional system and start for a team that's top of the Premier League. It's not fair to ask. It's not realistic to expect he's going to be able to do it at the level we need. Like, I think what people miss, Clive, at the end of last season, we lost three games in a row. We lost three consecutive games. And then because we won a couple of games, we were still one result away from finishing top four. You lose three consecutive games this season, the title's gone completely. You lose three games at all this season, the title could be gone completely. I think people have have to understand that if we, and listen, there's some number of listeners right now saying, we were never in for the title, stop talking about it. 
that's a difference of opinion that we have, but I totally understand feeling that way. And I want to be clear, if we finish top four this season, it will still be mission accomplished. But this beautiful dream of a title we had, I think the level that you need to be to chase that with a Manchester City demands a caliber of player that we don't have to step in for Jesus. So I'll ask you, Clive, because I don't think I really gave you a chance to address this, and I want to make sure you do. Specific to what's going to change on the pitch, I don't think Eddie's as good as a, in pressing, and part of our defensive structure and solidity is about how we press and keep teams away from us. And I don't know if he's as good at bringing both flanks into play. Martinelli has come alive this season in part because Jesus has developed an understanding with him. Do you have some specifics of what you think we might notice at least early on differing in our game? Yeah, I, I think a point about bringing the wingers in is, is a key point. Fair enough, when even with Brazil, with um, with Richarlison first and Neymar, when Neymar's out, what Neymar tends to do is connect the wide play. He connects other players into yeah. the game, right? So when Neymar came out for a period, when Rodrigo was there, it's a little bit more singular, a bit more individually drive straight in straight lines. And they lost their wingers in that game, you know? And then I think it's it's something that Jesus does. He allows other players to be involved. Eddie's a different player. Eddie's fine. Eddie's fine. He has he's, he's a streaky scorer. Works hard. Scores goals when you don't expect him to, and misses ones maybe you'd love him to score. Right? There's, there's little certainty there for me. Um, but he's fine. But he, he can't be carrying us. But I wouldn't. Ex- he shouldn't be carrying us on his own for three months. That won't happen. By the way. That's not going to happen. The club are going to do something. And so I, I think he's somebody that needs to grow into the team still in the first team. I was there for those later games last year and there was pressure, but in the in the pressure games, it, it didn't happen, did it? We didn't see anything. In the critical games, the higher level games, there was nothing. You know, when the pressure was off less and we were trying to catch up again, it, it was fine. There are games and there are games. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot while I've had a little mini break from the podcast. There's a there's a certainty of delivery that we have got in this group now, and we need to build upon it. You know, and I still don't feel that certainty with some of our younger players. They're still full of promise for me, and I don't think we can rebuild a club based on promise. We have to have a little bit more certainty. And and that's where I am with it, Elliot. So I, I don't, I, I won't change my mind. No, I won't change my mind. I feel we have a quality. I feel we have a quality gap. And I'm going to say it. We have a quality gap there that I want to see filled. And I know people are saying about oh, we, we were in the title race. I'm not even really interested in being the title race. I'm interested in main, maintain the standards that we had pre World Cup as close to as possible. And if we do that, we're going to be fine. But look below us in the league. There's a lot of teams there that are ganging up, queuing up, ready to go. And they're going to sit there thinking, we have a gap to close. And they're going to respond in the market. And we have to respond accordingly for me. Yep. And I think back to Spurs last January, they made two loan signings. Sorry, mate, I'm bambling on. They made two loan signings. And for me, it changed their season, it gave them something. And from there, they're able to refine form. We don't have to rip up the project. A loan signing just to maintain our level would be a smart thing to do, in my opinion, on top of a buy. I I agree. And like, here's what I will say. Well, a couple things. Firstly, I think this January window is going to get a lot of scrutiny because there are people who are frustrated with last January's window and felt had we acted, we would have finished in the top four. I, on this podcast, very clearly said, I agree with not 
doing anything in January if the player we want's not there. Let's not wreck what we're building. But that's because we were a team chasing top four with no clue whether we would get it or not. And I didn't want us to buy a player we didn't really want, not get top four, and then be saddled with him. We had made that mistake. We had tried to put sticking plasters on this boat for years and years, and that's how you wind up with a Willian right in your squad or a Cedric or a, a you know a Pablo Marie or whoever it is. This is a little different because what we're chasing is a little bigger. But I, I understand it's not easy. What are you going to do? You're going to go buy another Gabriel Jesus? There, there was only one Gabriel Jesus last summer. We arguably made the move of the summer outside of Holland. These are hard things to do, and there's nothing that's going to be quite that level. Paul, it's difficult to thread this needle because on the one hand, let's be clear. There is no club, no team that would be chasing a title against Manchester City that could lose their best player, in my view, and be just as good and not get knocked back. That doesn't exist, right? By the same token, there's the question of whether Eddie Nketi is the level you should have of your backup. If Harry Kane was out for Spurs, the player that would come in to start up front is probably Richarlison, who I think we'd have to agree is better than Eddie Nketi. He starts for Brazil. Um, you know, if if Manchester City lost Holland, Manchester City is a bad example. But if Liverpool, who we like to analogize as being closer to us, you know, lost, I mean, they, they've got three, four, five different guys who can start up front, in part because they picked a front three, they built a front three to be a little mixy and matchy. Jota, right, Diaz, um, they do have Darwin Nunez now, but they've got Firmino. Like, there's, there's a lot of versatility and variability there. What, what do you think we will see from Eddie and Kedia in this period. And, you know, look, we signed him to be the backup. I think ideally to be a guy who could play 20 minutes off the bench or fill in for a start here or play in Europa League or the Premier League game if, you know, Jesus is in the red zone, not play four months straight on the trot. But what what do you think is the level that's realistic to expect and what he can achieve for us trying to fill in for, for Gabriel Jesus? So, like, he's our backup striker. I don't think you can assume your starting striker is going to play 38 games True. with starts. So I don't think, like, I think we're being pretty harsh on Eddie here. Um, he had a similar challenge last year, which is we were judging him when he wasn't getting a good look in. He wasn't getting a run of games. True. Uh, we criticized him when he was uh, uh, on a podcast uh, discussing which podcast was he on? The beautiful, <laughs> not ours. Uh, beautiful football. Oh right, no, no, right. When he said, uh, you know, if I start, I'll, that to be fair, he's always said that. Give me starts, and I'll, I'll produce. Yeah, he, he was getting hammered, yeah. and he's like, it's not fair. But people think they've seen me. If I come on for ten minutes to chase around the field to protect a lead or to do a job, like you can't be judging me on this stuff. And everybody's like, oh, he's whining. Well, it turns out he was right. You give him a run. Uh, the the one thing I would quibble a little bit with Clive on is I think we expected, like, you'd have to be a hell of a striker to change that Spurs result. I don't think our attack was the issue. Uh, and looking at the Newcastle game, the, I wouldn't go to, oh, it was our striker that meant we got absolutely battered by Newcastle. Um, now, that's not to say, like, a goal would have been nice, but, like, <laughs> it, we won four games in a row with Eddie. Like, uh, I'm not saying he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not saying that's exactly what Clive was saying. But, like, I I don't think Eddie was the reason 
we didn't make top four last year. I think he was the re- part of the reason we almost did in the end. Um, he's now had the summer to work on it. I know Clive's going to come back and me and um, put me straight in a minute. No, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Say, I didn't say any of that. That's all. <laughs> but didn't you so say he was missing for the biggest? Yeah, I didn't games say any of that. <laughs> I said. I said in the biggest game, so I didn't see much. Right, so okay, um, I didn't mean to see a missed chance even. So, so, so that's all. It's just about it's just really about fear factor in, and your influence. But and, he um, didn't really get a look in in those games. Would you? Agree? That's fair. But but I'll, I'll point one thing out. Pause. Like if you look at, for example, some of the bigger games we played this season, the Liverpool game, um, the Chelsea game away, Jesus wasn't scoring, but we had him as potentially a man of the match in those games. Right. The the influence of. Jesus in some of our bigger games this season has been so clear in the way he facilitates our press, our transitions, our holding of the ball. I think the thing about Eddie that worries me the most, Paul, and let's try to stay focused on what he's going to do this season. We we have become a team that plays much higher up the pitch now, right? We press, we keep teams back. We play in the attacking third 60% of the game. I see Eddie as a player who can really thrive running into into green grass, right? Running behind defenses. He likes long sprinting runs. I think he is he is great at doing that. We saw last season when he thrived, he'd get in behind. He'd cause problems for a defender who's trying to defend in space. When the space compresses and you need a higher technical level and you need someone who can win a 50-50 or a 30-70 duel like Jesus constantly does and play the ball out to Martinelli or Saka, that's where I think we're going to see the loss of Jesus. You know what I mean? Not that Eddie doesn't have great quality, but is his great quality a fit for a team now that's going to be playing in the attacking third 60% of the game? Yes, it is. In fact, last year when we were critiquing him, the thing I was saying about him is, well, we've been a team who's playing too deep. It was the whole toothpaste problem. Mm. Eddie's best quality is in the box. Mm. It's it's like everybody was saying, well, he can only get those goals in and around the six-yard box. Well, and that's true. Really, that's fair. This is a really tough discussion to have because I'm not denying Jesus is part of the reason we're in the final third, that we're in the box. Like, there is no replacing Gabriel Jesus, but we had – Eddie in the run-in last year, I think he was very good. He had his summer uh, to work on around with Gabriel Jesus to to drink a little bit of whatever Jesus was drinking to to see the impact that player can have on the pitch. I think he'll step that up a bit. We've mm-hmm. had, now had three months to see. Uh, the, here's what I think Jesus gives us that we can keep going forward, especially if we can keep Martinelli in the picture right from the get-go. We play a different way now. Everybody knows what we're trying to do. When Eddie comes into the team, he's not going to be Gabriel Jesus, but he's going to understand the importance of that other stuff that was just abstract before. You know, Eddie, if you if you do the work, if you press, if you chase, you could really help us build. It's not the same as seeing how this team can play. The rest of the team, knowing what they're asking of Eddie, uh, over this last three months. So he's not going to step in and be Gabriel Jesus, but he's going to bring stuff to his game. He can press, he can chase, he does have energy. He can pull other players into the in, in, into the play, bring in the wingers as Clive talked. He can do a bit of all of that. He can do more of it than he did last year. Um, kind of is what it is to some degree. Of course, yeah. we're going to go into the market for an additional player. I think... I think we, we're doing this thing, stocks rise, stocks fall. Like, I think I think we've done it again with Eddie. We're doing the same thing we did last year, and he's going to be better than we think. 
it uh, doesn't mean we don't need somebody. It doesn't mean, like Clive's right. He needs support. He's too young to be the guy for three months. That's all true. I just think, and I'm not, when I say we, I'm not necessarily talking about us on the, on the podcast. I mean, I read the Twitters, I read the Discord. Holy crap, the place people have gone to on well, Eddie so, okay. is, is unbelievable. So, so I just want to make sure I reemphasize something, though, that's so important in this debate. Because what we needed Eddie to be last season when he came in is someone who was good enough to keep Arsenal at a 70 to 72 point level. And mm-hmm. I think he can be. What we would need to keep our season going where it's going now is someone who can come in and be the center forward for a team that wants to accumulate 90 to 95 points. We may yeah, not have done that but, even with Jesus. Let's be clear. Even yeah. with Jesus, we may not Everything have done that. Everything was going right. We uh, had totally no bad luck. You but, know. But, but you have to acknowledge, what I'm trying to say is, it's not catastrophizing to say that's probably title gone. And it's Will not Eddie even dismissing look, uh, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, I hear where you're going. He's not a 95 but, point pace striker. You know what I mean? But how many times have we talked about a player looks better coming into a good functioning team? Absolutely. And I and think And like he, will. he came into a team that was struggling last year and did really well. Now he's going to come I, I, into, I hopefully, if we can get restarted at the end of December and January, he's go, he should look significantly better in a functioning team. It Absolutely. might not play out that way. I want to be clear. I'm not saying he's going to come in and we're suddenly going to look like an eighth place team. That is not remotely my point. What if we look like a third place team? That'd still be amazing, but yep. it's not what we were dreaming of. That's all I'm trying to say. Isn't, and like, yeah. th- and, and again, the dream, reiterate, though. the dream, right, there, I mean, there's no, everything had gone right. I'm not saying we were lucky in any particular game, but e- like we were the team starting the first to level 11. We were using the fewest subs. Like we were just putting out the same team all the time. Yeah, we were following Liverpool's blueprint when they won a title, basically. And by yeah. the way, like, like this, this is the hard part, because I need to reiterate this, too. If Liverpool lost Mohamed Salah for three months in their title-winning season, it's not a title-winning season. Right? It's that simple. Yeah. I think we need to pivot a little bit to what alternatives Arsenal might, might contribute. But I, I will say this. Maybe we lose a lot in the way we play with Nketiah, but maybe he scores a few more goals. And you nick games... That you wouldn't have otherwise, Nick, because even though we're not playing quite as well, he gets a goal that Jesus hasn't been banging it. Yeah, look, you do need luck to win titles. And part of that luck might be that Eddie shows us something that I'll admit I'm maybe not expecting to be there. Do I see Eddie as a guy who can be the, the second striker for a team that wants to get 65, 70 points in a season? I think he can be. Where we've gone to now, the level this boat has floated up to now, it just takes the best of the best of the best to come in and be able to do this. That that's a very different thing. Um, I think importantly that I should mention that one of the ways you can achieve that peak performance, if you don't have your best players is to take athletic greens, AG one, right? I mean, your, your body's a temple, your body is a temple, and you know if you've just lost Jesus. I don't know. There's probably a joke there. I'm I'm not feeling awake enough yet to do it. But AG one is something that I do every morning, and it's something you should do every morning. You put it in water. It tastes great. You know, I've been saying it tastes great. It tastes good. Like it's not. It doesn't taste bad. I'm not saying like, oh, I wish I could have four glasses of it, but it tastes it tastes fine. It's replaced all my vitamins and gummies and stuff and that are loaded with sugar and probably don't even get into your actual body or digestion or whatever. Helps with gut health. What is it? 75 high quality vitamins, minerals. Whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. All of that. All of that to focus on gut health, 
nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, right? So the age cliff, you don't want to go over it. You take the AG1. There you go. Okay. A couple of things to know about. It's lifestyle friendly, keto, paleo, vegan, daily free, gluten-free makes no difference. Contains less than one gram of sugar. So you can take it with confidence. It's less than an expensive cup of um, fancy coffee. So maybe make some coffee at home, take your AG1. You'll be healthier and uh, financially you'll be doing better anyway. And it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Okay. I mean, that that's a lot of five-star reviews. It's real simple. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs so you can take it with you when you go with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And look, you're on the internet right now. You're listening to something on the internet. Maybe you want to watch Match of the Day after Eddie Nketiah bags his third consecutive hat trick to keep Arsenal top of the table. I would want to watch Match of the Day, but I can't because I'm geolocked. You're not geolocked when you have NordVPN because you can browse wherever you want. You want to watch U.S. Netflix? You want to watch Match of the Day on BBC? You want to watch something, you know, Bluey. My family loves Bluey. The new episodes came out in Australia before they came out in the U.S. You can browse from the region you want to browse from. Over 5,000 server options to do it. You can also browse with security and safety. Look, use our link, nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and a month free. Okay, they've also doubled down on keeping you safe. So they have threat protection features that kick in to prevent ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. There's literally no risk. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try if you like it. Great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund. So you want to watch a Match of the Day episode, you try it, then you get a refund if you don't want to continue with it. Pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link, our link, nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision to get your subscription started today. And of course, last but certainly not least, tis the season for clean balls, follow la 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 That's what it says here. Grab some crop mops for your pops or the shampoo for your boo. Be the star of gifting season and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this December. <laughs> by going to manscaped.com and use code ArsenalVision for 20% off and free shipping. Look, I don't always read the copy, but the Manscaped copy demands to be read. To be fair, they got the new Platinum Package 4.0. I'll get through this real quick. It's got the Lawnmower 4.0, which you know is the best purpose-built trimmer for your privates. It's wet, dry, works in the shower, wireless charging, love the thing. It also has the um, Weed Whacker, which is the ears and nose hair trimmer. It's got the Shed Travel Bag. It's got the Boxer Briefs. It's got the Toner the shampoo, the body wash, the conditioner. I mean, it is a literal uh, cornucopia of products to keep your body looking, feeling, and smelling clean and delicious this holiday season. Get 20% off of free shipping with code ArsenalVision at manscaped.com. Get the Platinum Package 4.0. Very giftable, very lovable. You will be, they will be, everyone will be happy. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use promo code ArsenalVision Manscaped for a perfect gift that will be holiday's biggest hit. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Now that okay, Tim. What if we get creative? Well, do you do you want to weigh in on the, on the Enkedia thing too? Because I feel like you've been shut out about this. Uh, I'll, I'll give you just just a minute to, to be involved because I do feel like uh, Paul has forcefully made his point known as as is the way. As the is way. his want. As is his want. Um, 
it is tough because I think nuance can get <clears throat> lost in player debates more than any other debate. It's so yep. binary. He's shit or he's great. Yep. We can all think Eddie and Keddie is a good player and still feel that what we lose in level is going to have a dramatic impact on the very, very, very lofty, hard to get to, potentially unreachable goal we were trying to get to. Hopefully I've caveated the hell out of that enough that people get where I'm going. But but how do you look at Eddie and Kedia's level vis-a-vis the level we've hit this season and where we're trying to get to? Yeah, I mean he's the, he's the backup for a reason, um, you know. Like that that that's just how it is. It's the same in everyone's squad, you know. I was just thinking, like if if City lose Haaland for three months, like they're probably in a bit of trouble um, as well. Mm-hmm. Now look, they have actually won the league without him quite recently. So, and you know, but they had Gabriel Jesus. Well, well yeah, <laughs> and now they've got um, Alvarez um, as their kind of backup, who's who's who again is really really good. He's not Holland though. That that's mm. that's just how this stuff works, um, unfortunately. And and you know, we we're, we're going to have to uh, like. It's it's the style of play and everything like that. That's 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 just going to have to become a bit different. We're going to have to learn that on the fly. We're going to have to learn it in some big matches: Newcastle, mm-hmm. Tottenham. That's that's all, and and we know how Newcastle and Tottenham went last season. Um, so that that's that's all obviously like that's concerning. Um, there's there's no getting around it. Um, you know, we we just got to hope the Eddie we saw when he came in last season uh, from that small sample size is is the Eddie we're going to get this time. We're going to have to ask more from our our wide players. Uh, we're going to have to ask for more from like someone like Erdegaard, for example. Like, there's going to have to be a bit of um, and you know when I say stepping up, I don't mean they haven't been stepping up this season. Those players really, really have been stepping up. Um, but I thought I thought it was an interesting conversation you were having as well about. Um, like we're a different team from last year and is that going to suit Eddie? Mm-hmm. It might really suit him. You know, it might be a case of I've got even more, like we're more secure at the back now. Uh, even though I came in last season and I did have like Saka and Martinelli there, like we also had Cedric uh, kind of <laughs> playing and like no fit centre half. So like the team overall, the team unit looks looks much, much better and we're going to bring Smith Rowe back in. So you know that that slightly bolsters our forward line a little bit. Um, but and there's it, but a it's, clear blueprint to play to, right? He knows yeah. he's not Jesus, but he knows now what that does if he can get eighty eighty five percent of what Jesus adds off the ball. Yeah, definitely, and and he's really improved. Um, I think in those respects, in terms of what he does with his back to goal, and I, I never thought he'd do that. I always just thought he'd be a good like a good poacher, a good finisher. Uh, mm. I never saw anything else really in him. And it's to his enormous credit that he has does have a more rounded game. He's going to have to go up another level. And that's fine. Like he, like he personally should say, like he should be like, great. I've, I've not been playing for months. I was like, I mean, we can't really say the hero because we didn't get where we wanted to go. But he, he was like, I've got loads of credit in the bank at the end of last season. I earned that contract. I've got that number change. And since then, very little. So he should be he should be absolutely chomping at the bit. And like I said earlier, he's got a run up at it as well. So he's out in Dubai playing these friendlies and he's like, right, I'm, I'm going to have to be the man here and he he should be really excited by that he should be and i'm sure he is and i'm sure he's been thinking i'm sure he's thinking not great you know because his teammates injured (laughs) but like he should be thinking this is what i wanted this is like this is my i wanted a chance i haven't been getting a chance here it is it's come and so as much as we're kind of fretting and and things like that he should be 
he should see this as as a really really exciting opportunity and and you know he's been watching the team with the rest of us he should be thinking great i'd love to walk into this team at the moment because yep. we're creating chances again so on a personal level i'm sure he's really really excited and and i mean he should be and if he isn't he should be yeah if he isn't <laughs> then we've got a problem if you don't want to be the starting striker for an Arsenal at the top of the table, then you shouldn't have stayed at Arsenal, right? Like this yeah. is this is exactly the situation you would have wanted to come into and will back himself to succeed at. And whether he does or doesn't, you know, we're just going to have to roll with that. But what I will say is this is where the decisions like Mikel and Edu make are going to get judged. We decided to stick with Eddie Nketiah on a really nice contract. And I know you could say, well, but you know, we didn't have a transfer. I'm not saying the overall outlay for him was, but the point is we didn't let him go. We could have let him go. We opted not to. And we also opted not to get another striker in the market. So we believed that Eddie and Kedia was good enough to play striker for Arsenal. If our first choice guy wasn't available. Well, now the first choice guy isn't available and we're going to see how well we maintain the level. And it's an exciting opportunity for Eddie. It is I think another nice thing, Freddie, is if Jesus was sitting on like 12 goals right now, yeah, you'd be freaking out. You I mean, know, because Eddie's not going to be a 30-goal scorer in the Premier League at any point in his career. But the, the upshot is, while Jesus was doing everything to enable us, he wasn't scoring. So if Eddie can go and start scoring, you know, he he has the ability to go get a couple of goals early against West Ham or something and really set out the direction of, of where we go with him. Yeah, yeah, Tim? Yeah, and I was going to say as well, it's not it's not just like an opportunity for him. Like the saving grace for Arsenal is that this has happened at a time where we're not actually playing and we're just yeah, about true. to play or we've just played like the first friendly and we're about to play some... Fr- like it's not just Eddie that's got a run up at this. Arsenal have a run up at it. We've got all our guys together for the next couple of weeks. Like we can, we can work on this. We could, you know, again, that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It's not, but... If you, like it's not like um, Jesus got this injury in a Premier League game on Wednesday, and we're playing on Saturday, and we've had two training sessions. Like there's a big run up at this now, um, and you know Erdegaard's there, and so like they can learn each other's movements. And all right, Martinelli and Saka aren't there at the moment, but you know in terms of the connectivity of the team, we've got a lot of guys there. Um, well, well it's good moment. that Martinelli and Saka aren't there because they probably won't be there for the first couple of games when yeah, uh, yeah. Don't, don't tell me that. Don't Eddie tell me that. starts yeah, look, for us. But you made an interesting point, Paul. This is something that actually we should all take a moment to consider. We're going to have a starting center forward for the next few months who's mm-hmm. hardly played all season and didn't go to the World Cup. He's going to be one of the freshest players at a top four team in the league, along with Erling Holland. <laughs> but, like, but Kane, son... Richarlison shagged out, coming back to Spurs, exhausted, right? I mean, you go through the list of, of the, the big teams in the league. Their players are going deep in the World Cup, have played a whole season, and Arsenal are going to have the freshest center forward in the league. That Maybe that the benefit of freshness will be a slight advantage to over, overcome some of the other things that are going on. Now, Clive, let's talk about what could happen if Eddie isn't the guy. Or if Arteta wants to go another direction, because I think this is something that we should at least address. What are the odds that Mikel says, "Eddie, I love you, man, but I'm playing Martinelli up front"? What are the odds that Emil Smith Rowe being back means he plays false nine, or Smith Rowe plays off the left and Martinelli plays plays through the middle? If we for, forget going into the market for a minute, I want to get your point on that. But if it's not Eddie, do you suspect that there's an alternative that Mikel might be considering? Probably not right away. Probably not on Boxing Day, but uh, you know, uh, shortly thereafter. 
in a couple of ways he could go, right? So, so it depends what he wants to do and, and how he wants to replace not the players per se, because it's interesting where we go when we discuss Eddie. We always end up in a player debate. It, this isn't about the player. This isn't about whether he can run over the shoulder, he can post up, he can score enough goals. He's not someone we don't know. We've got enough judge. We've got enough stuff we can see and say on him. We end up in a player debate whether he's good or not. This is about influence. We have lost an influential player. And now we're trying to think about how we can replace that influence. Now, the fact is we're going to replace him with a lesser player. And that brings up worries about how we replace the influence. Now, different ways you can go. You can replace it tactically. You could. I'm watching Spain at the moment, and they're not really playing a centre-forward. Morata comes on late. And we could replace it tactically. Smith-Rowe could be the false nine. Right, we could do it that way around. We can go into the market for a false nine. The Spanish centre-forward at the moment is up for a loan in January. He could come in. We're linked to him in Asensio. He could be a false nine option, and you and you use Eddie off the bench when the game is stretched out, a bit more broken play. There are different ways to replace the influence of Jesus that he has on our team as one of our team leaders. My worry, my worry is Elliot. It's not just about Eddie. It's about the three of them. The three of them are going through life changing moments right now, and that's our front line. That is it. You know, our front line. Because Saka can't go to Sainsbury's now as it is. If he scores a goal in the semi-final of the World Cup, well, that's it. He's life, it's life-changing moment, right? So our whole front line, Martinelli is making a huge impact in Brazil. All the training videos I see, he's gone from why the hell is he in the squad to, oh my goodness, he's a good player. So his life is going to change. And so I'm, a, I'm somebody <laughs> always thinks about mitigating that risk. And once they're, once they're back in the Arsenal family, yeah, great. But I think it's a worry the impact that's going to have on them this tournament, more than I probably realised seeing them flourish, especially two wide men, obviously seeing our, seeing our centre forward go down. So I, I think Eddie will be fine. He'll he'll play, he'll come off with the five substitutes world. It's not about him. I totally agree what Paul said about him being mm, near the yeah. box. We're near the box now, we're a different team that plays onto his attributes. And But it's about the influence. It's not just about what we think, but what other teams think when they're playing us. And I think we developed a level of fear factor that was maybe changing people's minds. And now it's like, oh, Arsenal got an injury. They're back to their squad depth. The same old things are happening again. And so maybe my same old fears are coming up again. But I'm thinking, nah, I don't want that fear. I want to see us at the wide men we were going to add. And if we are, if that injury timeline is significant, Elliot, it's a big if here. I'm not convinced yet, but we'll see what happens then I feel we need to do maybe two things, not just one, you know, to make sure we maintain that fear factor at the top end of the pitch because goals matter in the business end of the season. Trust me. All right, here's the red meat for you then, Clive. What would you do? I mean, I think there's there's a fatalism. Oh, I'll, I'll play, I... there's a hierarchy in Jesse room. I, I, would, I would play Eddie, without a doubt. It's no, not, but, it's but not a mean, debate here. I'd sorry. play Eddie. Uh, what would you do in the market? Like it's January and our store like, oh, okay. Eddie, you're doing great. Um, but we're going to, we're going to add, what do you think we could do that wouldn't be a divergence from the path we've set ourselves on saying that wouldn't be disrupt destructive to the project TM, but would give us the ability to better weather the storm of Jesus's absence. 
Yeah, so I would, obviously there's a, there's a wide man that we're linked to in Madrid that everyone seems to think we're going to get. And I think that person was coming in anyway. And I read this morning that Amy wrote an article this morning, like it's looking at wide man in the centre mid, and we're talking about people that proper first 11 players. Right? And that's where we need to go to now. We need to challenge the first 11 groups. If a wide man comes in, it's not a project per se. It's somebody that of the... Champions League, Europa League quality that can come into the group and really push to play. And that and that's what I like to see happen. Because when you get players of that level come in, then everything else takes care of itself. Because then other players are going to have to step up. And obviously we get the the byproduct of that is we get the results. Depending on the timeline, I'm hoping it's not significant. But I I, I wouldn't mind seeing a loan as well. Because and that is to mitigate not just Jesus, but mitigate the seasons that Martinelli and Saka are having. There's a huge dependence upon them. And so adding another forward into the group, depending on how they come back, would be something I would do. Not everyone's going to agree with me, but hey, it's what it is. And, and I, there are a couple of, there's a player I've already mentioned in, in Asensio at Real Madrid. I, I quite like him as a, as a player. And there are other loan options out there, which I think would be smart to do in the month of January. I'm not saying it's going to be alone, but Ferran Torres, for example, another player that we were linked to, multi-positional forward players, a little bit older, 25-26, to have a certainty of technique and delivery in the final third, in critical months, in a critical moment. I think it's that important. And what makes me laugh is, we're all ones for young players developing, but when we had young Sambi come in, to play for another influential player that we lost for a short period. I didn't see much, I didn't see many people saying, being that forgiving for him, you know? And when it comes down to it, we want to see, we want to see it, mate. We want to see our three points. We want to see it. Nobody was saying anything too, I shouldn't say it's too generalistic, but we weren't as supportive as we could have been to a young player when he comes in who doesn't quite hit the mark. And so, and I'm part of that crew as well, you know? So we say one thing, but when it comes down to it, we want our three points. So let's not pretend. Let's get our three points, get into our top four minimum. But why not still push for the title? We were smart loan. That's where I am. This is why you got to be honest. And if you're not honest, you set yourself up for wild swings of emotion to some extent. Because if you want to say, Eddie's good enough, he can keep us battling for the title. I, I mean... You might be right, but if he isn't, which is absolutely in, in the range of outcomes, and we fall away from the title chase, you can't turn around and be like, that Eddie, he stinks, that son of a... Like, you know what I mean? You got, you got to have some realistic expectation about the level of the players you have and what you can achieve with them. And Because if you don't, you wind up where Arsenal have been the last few seasons, which is eighth. I mean, the, the reality is we've massively, massively upped the level, which means all the supporting cast level has to come up, which means suddenly we realize Rob Holding, who was plenty good enough. Oh, Rob Holding's great. Lock it down. Five, three, two. Let's go. Like, he's not good enough anymore. He just isn't. Cedric isn't good enough. Right? I mean, there, Samuel Conga doesn't look good enough. He's probably not going to stay at Arsenal because Arsenal is now a team that thinks it can get 90 plus points in a season. That's not disrespecting any of those players. When you get as good as City are now, or as Liverpool have been the last few seasons, you transform what what becomes good enough to be in your team, in your squad, right? Look at Newcastle. I dare you to look at some Newcastle squads from the last five, six seasons. And I dare you to take their best 
player of two or three seasons ago. And tell me that player will be in the Newcastle, could, could make it into the Newcastle squad of two seasons from now. They can't because the level's going up so massively. So it is not a disrespect to players to say they can't make it in, in the Arsenal team now because the Arsenal team now is trying to do a thing that is probably the hardest thing in sports right now, which is win the Premier League up against Manchester City. Now, Paul, this is the, the next question. Let's say you are like me and you believe we genuinely had a chance to win the title. It's sad to see that not go away. It hasn't gone away. Let's not be that fatalistic. It's sad to see it dimmed, the, the likelihood. We needed luck. You need luck. When Liverpool won the title, their key players played 38 games. You need luck. We could still do it, but let's say we don't do it. Here's the question I want to ask you. To what extent do you think there is real jeopardy still in the top four race? Because I, I have not regarded that as an issue. Because in order to finish top four, I think we need about 73, 74 points probably in that range, 72. And to get 72 points now, we could play on like a 60-point pace. Arsenal can play on a 60-point pace without Gabriel Jesus. I have no doubt about that. Do you have any, not any, that's a leading question. What, what level of nervousness do you have about the chasing pack in light of, of this injury? And to, to Clive's point, in light of the fact that Martinelli's going to come back in who knows what shape and Sack is going to come back in who knows what shape and, you know, that whole front three, I mean, we could go into the West Ham game playing Marquinhos, Vieira, and Enkedia across the front three. So, or, or hopefully Smith Rowe. What, what's your feeling on our vulnerability to the chasing pack right now? Um, I'm sure that we, the co the collective supporters, will very soon reach a point where we do get super nervous, like uh, the league's going to restart. <laughs> yep, the league's going to restart. We could be missing our front three: Jesus, uh, Saka, and Martinelli for a couple of games uh, at the restart, which kind of throws the momentum off, throws the confidence off, um, and. That's just a very realistic scenario for us. We might have to play with a different front three, Eddie plus two others. Who are those two others? I don't know. Um, and so that's going to be a challenge for this team. But we have quite a bit of depth defensively. We have, if Thomas Party comes back in decent shape, um, I believe he's rejoining our our training group in Dubai and we've got uh, Chaka can play game to game. Uh, you know, maybe they'll win their, their next, their round of 16 game. Maybe they'll go on to the round of eight, but uh, you don't see Switzerland going much further. Uh, we've got Odegaard there. So we're going to have a platform for whoever's up front that I don't think we're going to be terrible. We mightn't be what we were for the first couple of games. Um, but I think we can still be a fairly strong outfit. I think we'll reset, find our feet, uh, find ways of playing with Eddie and whoever else we bring in over January. And I think we're... We got to a position where we're leading the league, not by starting off the season with everybody obsessing about winning the league. I think we got to relax a little bit, trust it a little bit, um, we don't have to give up on winning the title. Uh, we didn't get to where we are by being obsessed that we must win the title in the first 14 games, and yet we had a really good run. I think we just got to relax a little bit, trust it a little bit more, see what comes from it. I'm not too. Uh, I, I'm not concerned about whether we make top four. I know we're going to do it. I don't know 
if the arc of our season would be the way we like it, it might have been a might be a great start to the season for 14 games, a middle section that's a little dicey, and then we get stronger again when when uh, Jesus is back in, and we just kind of wing it in the middle there a little bit. Uh, mm. Like we've got too much in the bank. There's too much of a platform for these players, the front three, because that's really the only place we've got concerns. The front three and Thomas Partey stays fit. So in January is important for a couple of reasons. We needed a wide player anyway. We needed a midfielder anyway. One Mm -hmm. hopes they have targets, that they have a plan. I think, uh, you know, if we come out of January and we don't sign anybody, then there's another question. But assuming we we do the things we planned to do and get some strength, particularly in midfield, to back up those guys and particularly a wide attacking player uh, to add some depth, I'm uh, my con- confidence is undiminished. It's just you wouldn't write the arc of the season this way with a strong start and dodgy yeah. middle and, and then kind of a solid end. But that might be how it plays out. We're going to be doing some more scouting videos and transfer stuff over on the Patreon side and and here as well, but on the Patreon side in in the coming week or two. And I think we'll go over the, the strategy for what we can do in January and what the priority should be. Should update you and let you know that Tomiyasu is starting for Japan today. So like some of the hand-wringing about his fitness, he's, I was going to say, is we can set that aside a bit. But of course, with him playing, <laughs> maybe we can't set that aside. Look, I, I would have said to you, the luck that Arsenal need to continue on the pace we've been on is for Party and Jesus to stay fit. And if that happens, we're probably fine. Maybe, maybe Saliba also. But like it is what it is. We'll see where it goes. The one thing, Tim, that I think is I, I'd like, I wish didn't happen is the gatekeeping on emotion. Supporting a football club is emotional. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be fun. And the, the highs and lows of it are a part of it. To have our best start in the history of the league and be five points clear of city. I mean, it's incredible. And if you didn't dream a little bit about the title, I get it. You're protecting yourself. But some people did start to dream that. And oh, by the way, when I say dream, not dream of a 1% outcome. Most of the odds that are out there, whether you put any stake in odds, are somewhere between the mid-20s and the mid-30s in terms of a percentile. So there was, this was tangible. You know, it was, it was tangible enough that it wasn't like, we won our first game in August and we're dreaming of the title. Um, and so I just want to ask you your thoughts about like, some of the gatekeeping, because if your reaction is you're disconsolate, I get it. If your reaction is don't give in to the misery, we're still Arsenal, Eddie's going to come in and fire and we're still going to like, I get that too. You know what I mean? Like, like I think back to those 2010s when you'd lose Van Persie for the rest of the season and you'd be torn between thinking that's it season over and wanting to be like, no, Bentner will win the title for us. And then like, guess what? Bentner didn't win the title for it. You know what I mean? Like it is natural as a football supporter to get dragged around emotionally by this stuff. And I don't think we should be so, I don't think we should be so precious about how people want to respond. And if people are catastrophizing right now, I get it. And if people want to still keep hope alive, I get that too. It's sort of like, this is one of those areas where I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. You know? Yeah, definitely not. It just depends on you as a person and and how, uh, you know, how you kind of respond to things. I know how I respond to these things where in the moment, um, you know, I, I had a few glasses of wine when I saw the news um, on Saturday evening, which which was worse because there's you know what's that? There's a great line in The Simpsons, something like um, 
there's nothing better for the blues than a depressant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did a tweet storm on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I threw my toys out of the pram. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I did as well. But I know that like I quite once I get that out of my system, like quite quickly, I go more into like I mean, not problem solving mode because it's not my problem to solve, and I have no agency over it whatsoever. But you know, I start thinking more like I deal with it and think, okay, all right. So how? What are the interesting ways that we can deal with this? What are the upsides? What are the downsides? Um, you know, I, I go more into like co- coaches talk about this. Like I've asked coaches before about like how do you deal with nerves and how do you deal mm-hmm. with how do you deal with it when your team's like two one up with five minutes to go and you know everyone's really really tense and a lot of them will say well to be honest like yeah i am a bit tense but i'm also i have age some agency over the game so i have to think about that to be a problem solver um and things like that and and like i've asked coaches as well you know again in women's football about like you know big player gets injured happens a lot unfortunately um and it's happening with arsenal women at the moment and and like coaches will say well yeah in the initial moment it's like oh geez but like because you have agency over the issue you start going into problem solving mode so that's that's like um more how i do it but yeah absolutely it it just depends who and what you are and, and you're right like there is there's 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 no accounting for like personality and how and why you do things and I think a lot of things, um, something a lot of people miss is that it's kind of free of consequence. Like if me or you or someone else just has a bit of a meltdown at the news and is a bit sulky for a few days, I mean, like who cares really? (laughs) Like there's, there's not, there's not really a consequence to that. So um, yeah, like the, I like the, the whole gatekeeping thing, like none of that's for me really. I think maybe there's a debate, when it's like actually in the stadium um and and that's a debate um but when it's just like someone reacting online like really as as long as they're being decent to other people like who who cares really it's just like do what you want go crazy go like yeah go super positive like whatever like crack on it's fine yeah, yeah and and i don't think we have to be so i don't think we have to be so concerned if someone is like there it goes. Title's gone. Like that's how they're coping. And if someone's like, you know, I think we can still do this. You know, Eddie's great. Like, and that's how they're coping and everything in between. I think hopefully our job on the pod is to analyze the different angles of how it could work or how it could not work. And Tim, like it, it could be the case that we have to make some adjustments to how we play. Um, It could be the case that we don't, look as good, but we still get results. I mean, that's the weird thing about football too, right? You can play worse and win. You can play better and lose. Like we played pretty well at Old Trafford in my view and we lost, you know, we played badly. What was it? The Leeds game that we won. Uh So maybe the luck we get is an injury luck. Maybe the luck we get is some results. Um, You just don't know. Do, Do you, do you suspect that we could try something a little bit out there, a little bit unorthodox? I mean, ML Smith Rowe coming back is something we haven't discussed. Mm. But I think his return, depending on the form he looks like he's in and what he what he looks like in training in these friendlies, if he gets a chance to play in any of them, do you think that could have an impact on what Mikel opts to do when the games are back uh, thick and fast? I, I think that's that's a back pocket option. Um, like, you know, the whole Smith-Rowe, false nine or, or Martinelli up front. I mean, at the moment, they're in play because they have to be because of the numbers. Like, 
I, I'm absolutely certain that, you know, ass- assuming he's still fit on Boxing Day, Eddie and Ketia starts that game and the games after it. Absolutely certain. Like, I really don't think there is or, or should be anything else in Arteta's mind. And if he doesn't, then you kind of look at it and go, why the hell did you give him a contract then if you're not trusting him for this exact purpose? It's, it's just a case of whether, you know, if, if it doesn't work for a few weeks, like, do we have to reassess it and try something a bit funky? Um, you know, maybe Nketiah gets injured or suspended himself and then we really are in the land of, like, because, like, what's behind Nketiah now? Like, Balogun's out on loan. It, it, it is like Martinelli or Smith Rowe. That that is the backup option at the moment. Um, and look, ultimately last season, I think we were punished because the coach waited too long to bring in Eddie himself ahead of uh, Lacazette. Which you know, Lacazette was a was a problem for this team that that should have been should have been solved when the when the going still looked quite good in February and March. I still think, and I, I do wonder if Arteta learned anything from that that kind of oh, we're getting results, so let's keep him in like it was a problem. Um, we were getting results in in spite of that. And I, I really, while well, I'm absolutely certain that given um, given his time again, Arteta would would hit the Inketia button earlier. Um, so, I mean, he has to keep faith in him for now, but I'd be interested, like, if it doesn't quite work or it's not, you know, it's not going as it should, um, like how early some of those other options are explored. And look, Eddie probably can't play every minute of every game for the next three months anyway. So we're probably going to have to either see a new signing or we're going to have to see something um, a little bit funky and experimental. Yeah, we haven't brought it up, but there will be Europa League coming back. The FA Cup, you know, presuming we get past Oxford, which I think we will, is going to be in the mix. We keep hope alive. At a minimum, we all do that. And you know what? It's going to be weeks before the season comes back anyway. There's still time for this to update. Who knows? Maybe by the time we put this podcast out, we'll hear Jesus just has a bang on his knee. It's a bruise. He's going to be back in five days, and he's flying back to Qatar to score a hat trick in the World Cup final. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Let's leave it there before the technology gets any less uh, agreeable with us. Tim is on Twitter. uh, No, Tim is on Twitter at Stillmanator. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure as always. So, so close. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> my name is Elliot Smith you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner we love you and we will talk to you after your country 10 other country nil decisions for your company you always look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.